Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Decibel Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. We are back. You know us. Just a couple of dudes. We love rock and roll, and we love talking about it. We are the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my awesome friend and kick-ass co-host, Mr. Chris Sinzak. Man, we're going to have some fun today, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, so uh, one of our favorite things to do once in a while, these Ask Us Anything episodes, because we like talking to you guys, and uh, you guys definitely came through with some interesting questions again this time. Yeah, for sure. Always a good time because we never know what to expect. Some of you guys are crazy. You know it's true. You are. So we'll see what kind of interesting tidbits and questions. And like I said, we put it out there. Ask us anything. We've got the answers and we're going to prove it today. But before we get to all that, you know us. We're going to take care of that business, especially when business is good. So I laid out the challenge a couple of weeks ago. I said, if we can get to 20 reviews and recommendations by July, we'll bring back Kissmas in July. And, you know, right away, it started that very first week. Bam, we were down to 19. Last week, it was 17, 16, and we were down to 15. I got a feeling some of our friends out there really, really Really want to see Kissmas in July come back. Well, we're on pace for it because we've got some reviews and recommendations. Oh, yeah. This first one is an Apple podcast review. It's entitled This Podcast Rocks. It's got all five stars just the way we like them. And it goes a little something like this. I'm always happy when I see a new podcast posted by the Decibel Geek Podcast. They consistently rock and roll over the Heavy Rock Podcast competition. Thanks, Aaron and Chris. Stay metal. And that comes to us from Bike Mold. Is that what that says? Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) No idea what that means, but it's cool. From right here in the good old USA. Fantastic. That knocks out 15. We got 14 more to go. Can we do it here today? Let's see. Got another one. It's also an Apple Podcast review. It's entitled Love It. Five stars. Here's what it says. Wow. A rock and roll podcast that has a ton of content and lots of laughs. If you don't listen to this podcast, you are missing some great entertainment. Subscribe. Do it. You know you want to. And that comes to us from Brent with some numbers behind it from Apple Podcasts. I think it says Brent 68, if I'm reading it right. Yes, it does. And it's from right here in the good old United States of America. Thank you so much for that review. What? There's more. There is. This one's entitled Super. Five stars. Excellent work. That's it. Short, sweet, and to the point. We like it like that. That one comes to us from TNGal31 via Apple Podcasts. Wait a minute. Are we moving up to having a 3%? 
I think we're getting there. Tennessee gal, you're bringing us up to having 3% female listenership, and we love you for it. But wait, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) So awesome, you guys. All right, this one comes to us from Modern Day Warrior 2112, and it is a pod chaser review. I know that because it's got all five pink stars. They're different. This one goes like this. I first got hooked on Decibel Geek from their Years in Review series. Chris and Aaron were like a DeLorean that took me back in time to when hard rock and metal was the soundtrack of my youth. After deep diving into their other podcasts, they inspired me to start my own. Love these guys and happy to call them friends. Decibel Geek is top notch. Nice. How you like that? That's amazing. That's our buddy Al Horta. Oh, hell yeah. We love Al Horta. Awesome dude. He's been on Friday Night Lives with us before. Yes, sir. All right. So we started out with needing 15 to get us to Kissmas in July. We knocked out 15, 14, 13, and now we're down to 12. 12 more reviews just between now and July. Five stars. They're going to count, and you're going to get it, and you're going to like it, too. Because we already got some plans in store to bring you maybe the most glorious Christmas in July of all freaking time. Definitely working on some cool stuff behind the scenes. But we got to get the reviews or we'll just cancel them all. That's right. You don't want us calling these guys and canceling and saying, hey, it's not our fault. (laughs) Right. If we have to bribe you to get love, we'll do it. We're not Ace Fraley. We don't go on the air and make idle threats. That's right. We stick by what we say. Oh, boy. We make serious threats. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's working. I guess we got to be more abusive or have better fruit to dangle in the future. When we're done with July, we're going to have to come up with another excuse. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We'll figure it out. Oh, man. Those are awesome. Thank you to everybody that's taken the time to leave us a review or a recommendation with the five stars by it all these years, man. We love each and every one of them we get, and that's why we take the time to read them on the show. Thank you so much. You know, other people that help us a lot is because we do this show, and we want people to know about it. And so we got to get the word out. Where do you get out the word nowadays? On the streets. The streets of the internet. That's right. Social media, that's where it's at. And when people see that we post our new episode on Facebook or we put it out there in the Twitter, they see that, they retweet it, they share it. We love them for it. And we accumulate their names to this beautiful, amazing list of the most kick-ass, awesome people on earth. And they are our Geeks of the Week. Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Kristen Schimbeck, James West, Matt Porter, Bobby Dreyer, Eric Luzier, Mark Starsky, Shane Abair, Mike Parnell, Nate Atchison, John Phillips, David Glenn, Simon Catt, Todd Cunningham, Keith Rockford, James J. McElhenney, Shay Hargett, Pantheon Podcast and Obscuria Podcast, A to Z Radio, Bill Elam, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Sit and Spin with Joe, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions. David, Kathy, Will, Honeycutt, Joseph Capone, Jay Shabluski, Hakon Bergstad, Ernesto Aguiar, JJP, Body of the Soul, Gregory Muse, Rock and Pod Expo shared it. Nice. That's cool. I mean, that uh, the guy that runs it's a scumbag, but that's cool. <laughs> um, Gregory Muse, Focus on Metal Podcast, Kevin's on Fire, Cro- Courtney Cronin-Dold, Vet Halen, Whiting Guitar Works, Victor Ruiz, Scott Crouch, and as always, 
the Mooger Fooger. Hey, don't be talking about my boy Chris Sinzak like that. If you're looking for trouble, you're going to get it. Yeah, fuck that guy. Man, awesome episode last week with Courtney Cronin Dole talking about all our fond, fond memories of Rockin' Pod Weekend. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people shared it. Thank you for doing it. You guys are awesome. Geeks of the week. Love it. All right, so we're back to this once again. We haven't done it in quite a long time. We like to communicate with the people we love and the people that love this show. So every once in a while, we open it up and we ask you, you got any questions? Well, guess what? You can ask us anything. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Pantheon. 
American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. And we got some cool ones here today. Mm-hmm. All right. So looking at this mighty list of awesome questions, I guess let's start out with this one right here on the top. Patrick Breen wants to know, is there an album or artist that you will admit to liking, even risking ridicule? For example... I dig Soul Station. <laughs> Feel free to take any shots. <laughs> okay, I will. That sucks. <laughs> I think you've hurt yourself enough by listening to it. I'm not going to take any shots. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, for Chris Sinzak, it's Juice Newton, right? Everybody knows that. But besides Juice Newton, Chris... Is there anything that you'll admit to liking that people will give you hell about? Oh, there's plenty of stuff I listen to that people would hate, I'm sure. I it wasn't long ago that I admitted to I love yacht rock and like seventies AM gold stuff. Yeah. You know, like uh Atlanta rhythm section and ambrosia and shit like that. So And you're a big Manilow guy. It's it's funny. I did recently start listening to Barry Manilow and what? It, it, it still hasn't clicked all the way, but I liked a couple of songs. <laughs> um and I was going to say Blondie and Duran Duran. <laughs> You're over there talking about the quality of Barry Manilow. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I, I never could get into Blondie. I like maybe one or two songs. But yeah. I, some, of the, some of their bigger hits I really don't like. Um, See, and for me with Blondie, it's, it's like a lot of bands where it's kind of like 50-50. Like there's stuff by Blondie that I just freaking love and think it is amazing. But then mm-hmm. like... It's three or four songs off of a whole album where the rest of the stuff is just weird to me and I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but no, then, then actually I guessed it on uh, Gene Vogel's Disciples of the Watch podcast last week and uh, right it was on. a whole My Life in Four Songs thing. And um, it was the, the, this band was not one of my picks for one of the songs, but we, we just went off on tangents. And another one that I'll, I'll still say... Um, I don't really listen to the albums much anymore, but still one of the better live bands I've seen was Limp Biscuit. I still stand by that. Yeah. Great, great live show. Really know how to work a crowd. And uh, it's it's more, even if you're not a fan, you probably would still have fun at their show. Right. I mean, I could even say that about Pearl Jam, I think. I didn't, I didn't want to like Pearl Jam because of all my phony-ass friends at the time. That went from loving the same bands as me to all of a sudden loving Pearl Jam and Nirvana. I didn't want to like Pearl Jam, you know, so I resisted it. But, I mean, I like that first album. 
I mean, it's, there's no denying that. But then after that, I didn't want nothing to do with them. It took me, my brother, going, I got tickets to Pearl Jam. And I'm like, eh. And he's like, you're coming with me. And I go, all right. And I actually had a really good time at the show, and the band was pretty awesome, you know. And so then it opened me up to Pearl Jam. And like Blondie, four or five songs off every album are really awesome. Yeah. But then there's all the other stuff, you know. There's a lot of bands like that. You know, I say Duran Duran, same thing. Handful of stuff I absolutely love. But then the rest of it I don't even like at all. Try to think what else, you know. Of course, the Violent Femmes. I haven't listened to them in a while, but, you know, that's pretty far from rock and roll. It's weird stuff. It's weird, but I like it for some reason. I guess because I'm from Wisconsin, and, you know, besides Stevie Rochelle, they're the the biggest thing going from up there. I saw that uh, Stevie announced they're doing a Wisconsin show with Tough. I saw that, man. Super cool. I wish I could time that out on my vacation as well. Yeah, and then our friend Dakota, who plays with Hairball, uh, Hairball's playing that show, too. Oh, nice. That's right. That's right. That's awesome, man. Well, if you're in Wisconsin, around Oshkosh, check out that date and go see Tough. It's going to be great. I wish I could go. All right. So we started out with a little humility there. Uh, Next question is from our awesome friend, Mighty K, Kristen Schembeck. She's got a few questions. First of all, she says, who is your favorite fan? Well, wasn't going to say so, but Kristen, since you brought it up, it's David Cathy. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dude. <laughs> I love that guy, too. No, oh, no. he so I'll, many. Anyone that listens to the show, we're, we, we love. Um, but yeah, no, I, just, I can't pick one person. No, everybody's so cool, man. So awesome. Everybody that we just read on that list of Geeks of the Week and the people that left us reviews are currently towards the top. It's ever-fluctuating. Right. So if you feel like you're, you're running low on the Decibel Geek love, just leave us a review or a recommendation, and you'll be right back up there. <laughs> right. She wants to know, do you two ever think you'll do a podcast with a video at the same time? I wouldn't mind getting into that. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, I don't care. You know, I'll dress up for any occasion. So, yeah, we could do some stuff like that, you know, and then hand in hand with that. Our next question, when is the next FFAFFT? What does that stand for? I forget. I was trying to remember when I was looking at the question. Free for all Friday faff. Something fun time. (laughs) Fun time. Um, That's it. Free for all Friday fun time. That's it. Nice. We figured it out. See, we're not so dumb. Well, we're still not changing the name of the show to that. It's a little wordy. Yeah, her and Rock and Ron's <laughs> genius marketing there. Yeah, man. The acronym doesn't work either. <laughs> oh, what are you doing tonight? Faft. Faft. It's a great band name, though. I don't know. When are we going to get back into that? We need to. I was thinking about that last Friday night, but it was like everybody's got shit going on, you know? So, I mean, definitely want to do it. It's always fun when we do do it. To us, it's, you know, outside of doing something like this, it's the greatest way to interact with our listeners and friends because we're all doing it at the same time, whether we're doing tournaments or whatever, you know, playing a little Beat the Geek sometimes. You know, it's always a good time on Friday Night Live. But I'll tell you this, next time we do one, we'll give you plenty of heads up and uh, you'll know when you can join us for it live. And then Kristen wants to know, 
Who's the one guest you've had on the show that you'd like to do a do-over with? I've got two answers. What do you got? Well, one one to fix negative reasons why I'd want to do the do-over, and the second for kind of positive reasons. The first one would be the Denman interview because oh, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that, I forgot about that was that. not a good few days for us. No, wow, I forgot all about that. I haven't because <laughs> I felt like such a dick. Yeah, but, crazy. Uh, all just silly misunderstanding. Yeah, we could do that one over. I'm sure we could do the Denman brothers better by having the appropriate amount of microphones <laughs> handy. <laughs> yeah. The lack of a microphone led to like a horrible misunderstanding and like, uh, yeah, the show almost broke up over that one. You go over there mic hogging me, Sinzak. What the hell? Not intentional. I know. Then the other good one, well, the other one for other reasons would, would just be to, to have a do over with Gary Corbett just so we could sit across from him and hang out with him again. Yeah, for sure. There's a few people on that list. Yeah. I'd like to get together with Rock and Ron and prank you again over and over and over. I'd let you do it, too, just to get to hang out with him again. Yeah, great times. I guess the only other one I could think of would be, be would maybe be uh, Jim Florentine. <laughs> yeah, so people could actually listen we to it. We could actually turn on the recorder before we have an awesome conversation with somebody. This time, I would make sure that everything was... Recording appropriately. If Jim, you ever want to give us another chance. <laughs> I'd still want to talk to him again. I'm sure Don could put in a good word for us. He had a great time hanging out. Well, the funny thing is, is he was like, yeah, the next time I'm in town, I'll, I'll do it. And he's never come back since. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, someday we'll get a chance to do a do-over with Jim Florentine. And finally, from Kristen, what is your favorite part of uh, what was what was your favorite part of your Rock and Pod Expo 2023 experience? One from each day. I thought on this one, I'm going to be kind of general on this because it's hard to pin down one thing. But for Friday, it was really just seeing so many friends, find, you know, coming back together at the pre-party thing at uh, Eastside Bowl and just catching up with people. That's that's always my favorite part of Friday because it's yeah. always great to reconnect with people. Saturday. Uh, hearing so much praise um, for the whole team for how well the expo came off and how well it ran. That was a big thing for me, um, especially from guests. Like, you know, guests that do a lot of events saying, wow, this is, you know, way more put together than other stuff I've done. That made me yeah. feel good. Yeah. And, uh, Sunday getting to go up on stage with Aaron and, and thank everybody for coming out for the weekend. That was a cool way to cap things off. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely agree with you. On Friday night, 100%, getting to see everybody come together for a good old rock and roll party. Man, I've got to put it right up there with uh, seeing Stevie Rochelle up on stage doing some Judas Priest. That was pretty awesome. Saturday, man, getting up on stage with you and Stevie and recording our little our little short little interview. It was awesome. Was cool. We tacked it on to the end of last week's episode. Got a lot of good feedback off of that. The video is out there now, and people are hitting on that. I'm seeing it's getting some good views. I like that. And, you know, that was just so much fun to get to do that in person. Like, if you had told 18-year-old Aaron Camaro that, I probably wouldn't have believed it. 
You know, yeah. that's how big of a tough fan I was when I was around that age. And to be able to get up there on stage and with you, you know, and, and then to sit up there and look out at the whole rocking pod and you look down and, you know, Tom Zutat is sitting in the right. down in the audience, you know, listening to us do this, you know, and man, what a trip that was. And then, man, there's just so much. It's so hard to whittle it down. I'm going to agree with you for Sunday was getting up on stage with you at the end and getting to look out and see all our friends in the crowd, everybody with a smile on their faces coming down from an amazing weekend. Yeah, especially the Mooger Fooger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a smile on his face for sure Sunday night. <laughs> oh, man. So much fun. Thank you, Mighty K, for those questions. You're awesome. The original one percenter. That's who she is. All right. Hey, it's my friend, Eric Luzier. Man, we got to see him. His first question, Aaron, who is your tour guide in Nashville? Well, brother, it was you. (laughs) (laughs) The best Nashville tour guides come from Montreal, Canada. That's what I learned to be true over Rock and Pod weekend. Man, so much fun hanging out with Eric. Like, I walked in. On Friday night, I tell you how, how I met him. I walked in on Friday night to the East Side Bowl, and a few people standing around that I know, and I'm saying hi to people, and this guy says hi to me, and I feel like I know him, but I'm not sure. And a lot of times you'd be like, hey, man, hey, dude, you know, and just be on your way. But something made me stop, and I turned around, looked back to him, I said, wait a minute, what's your name? And he said, <laughs> Eric Luzier, and I was like, oh, dude, I gave him a big hug. And I was so happy to see him and got to spend basically almost the entire weekend hanging out with Eric. And yes, he did show us where to get something to eat when we were about to pass out at Keel Fest. We're survivors. We made it. We made it to Kid Rocks and back to Keel Fest. Survived it all. Man, love it. Uh, He wants to know, Chris, how long a break do you take before you start to organize the next Rockin' Pod? Um, Usually... Between a month and two months is a, is around what it takes before before the brain starts working again properly. Um, I'm not ready to announce anything just yet, but uh, uh, I was just going to ask. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, n- nothing to announce right now, but uh, stay tuned. Uh, it, it will continue. Uh, my role is probably going to change a little bit, but I'll still be around and involved. But nice. uh, but yeah, it, I'll, I'll have announcements that you know soon down the pike. Right on. And then Eric's final question is. Is rare hair a thing that happens at every rock and pod? Well, since 2021, it is. Yeah. Um, we That was the first year Tyson came on board to, to do that with us. And uh, that was the year at Mercy Lounge. And, man, I really miss Mercy Lounge. I yeah. love that place. Um, but uh, it was great that year with, you know, that was, that was a cool show with, you know, the rare hair part had – Billy Sheehan and Greg Bissonette and tons of special guests. Um, yeah. Mike Fox was a part of that. And then um, also on that show, uh, the uh, Resistant Bite, Tommy Skio's band played. And, uh, of course, Mangus's band opened. And, yeah, that was awesome. Um, it was a little bit more stripped down this time with just the rare hair set at the Eastside Bowl. But it seemed like it went off really well. Um, I've got some great video I'm putting up kind of slowly of some of the performances from that night. And, um, but yeah, the plan going forward, uh, Tyson is great to work with and I think he enjoys doing it and, uh, I would love to see it continue every year. Oh, for sure. It's always the highlight. I mean, 
to see Michael Sweet up there from Striper doing some outside-the-box stuff that you might not expect to see live and songs he certainly wouldn't be playing live with Striper. And then, oh, man, so many good moments. I mean, David Ellison, his part in well, Rare Hair that year was, the, was I gotta amazing. Be, I got to I gotta be a little picky. That, that wasn't a Rare Hair year. Um, no? The, the, the pre-party was the Rock and Roll Residency that year. That's what Michael sang at. And then um, oh, yeah. Ellison's thing oh, on Saturday right. was that's his right. own that's pastry right. show. Pretty much, yeah. Kind of the same idea, but still, yeah. you know, pretty awesome. I just don't want Tyson to listen and then be like, hey, that wasn't my show. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Pretty cool, man. Awesome. All right, let's keep on going. Here's a couple, and these are from Warren Edward LaRue Baker. Name sounds familiar? You hear it every week on Geeks of the Week. Thanks, dude. His question is, what were your thoughts on the Mark St. John soundboard release now that it's out and you've heard it? Well, I I haven't listened to the thing in full. I've listened to some of the songs on it. Yeah, same. Um, it's an interesting listen, but it's probably not something I'm going to go back to very often because, I mean, it, basically they recorded this soundboard as a reference, I'm sure, just to to investigate mark's playing um because the guitar the rhythm guitars are really buried in the mix and the mix isn't really good but i will say um it's just it's still a cool kind of time capsule for that that short-lived lineup so it's interesting to hear um and it's cool to hear mark with the band he does shine in certain places that i listened um but the mvp of this is by far it's eric carr he's just on fire on this thing oh yeah same here i heard some of it i haven't heard the whole thing in its entirety yet but Man, I was listening to like the guitar solo on Detroit Rock City, and I'm thinking, is this guy's hands already swelled up before he started playing this? I mean, to me, it kind of hurts the legacy of Mark St. John a little bit because, I mean, like the guitar solo for Detroit Rock City, he's like trying to put extra notes in there where they don't mm-hmm. belong, you know, and it it doesn't sound right. It takes the soul out of it, and it he doesn't sound very good, honestly. Like I'm listening to it and thinking, if I didn't know this was Mark St. John, I wouldn't. I'd say, man, this this isn't very good. Well, a certain, I thought like under the gun, he sounded good on that, and a couple other things. I thought he sounded okay, but the thing that bothered me was I went to you know because they list a guitar solo in the track listing. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's going to be Mark's guitar solo. It's actually Paul's dumbass guitar solo from oh, 1984. Oh man. It's just, it, which is a complete waste of time. It's just, it's not even worth listening to. No, unless you're there in the audience while he's doing it, it the effect is not the same because it's more of a instrumental stage rap than it is a guitar solo. When you, li- you listen to it, it's like Paul saying, look, Ma, I figured out how to do a hammer on. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I like Mark St. John, but I guess... I mean, it didn't take him long to realize he wasn't the guy. And I always heard the rumor that, you know, maybe the whole he's got a medical condition with his hands story was bullshit. Like, they just got rid of him and didn't want to say they just got rid of him. Well, it's and it also depends on who you believe, because right at the end of his life, he started doing convention appearances. And uh, there's I think it was Kiss Asylum had a long transcription of one of those interviews. And he said in that interview was 
He did have the arthritis in his hand, but it was a convenient excuse for him to leave the band himself. Huh. Because he claims he was miserable. Yeah, I can imagine. Can you imagine what they did to that poor guy after going through what they went through with Ace and then going through what they went through with Vinny? Can you imagine how they treated him? Oh, he he describes it in the interview. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Kind of feel bad for him, too, then. Yeah. Warren Edward LaRue Baker's got one more. Favorite Kiss guitarist, except Ace. I think that's pretty easy. As a person, I like Bruce, but as a guitar player, even though the guy's a scumbag, I still think Vinny's the next best guitarist. That's Bruce all day long. All right. All right, there you have it. Brian Knapp wants to know, hey guys, how about a Shanker September or something? I'm not much of a Kiss fan, and I would love to hear more Michael Shanker from you guys. I consider him the best live rock guitarist, and I don't hear a lot about him and his many bands on your podcast. It's a good point. I'd be up for it. There's a, there's plenty of plenty of material to choose. Oh yeah, from. we could do a best and worst of UFO or mm-hmm. something like that. That'd be fun. I like UFO. Do a best and worst of uh, Michael Schenker group. We could do that too. There's man, it would take us days. It'd be like a five hour long podcast we'd have to break it up and be like michael shanker between february of 2006 and january of 2007 and we got six albums to review (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i'd want to do an entire month on michael shanker but definitely an episode here and there about his material for sure yeah i like it definitely deserves his place of being talked about on Decibel Geek because we love all that stuff, you know, and he is an amazing guitar player and one of the best of all time. I still want to do Dio Simber again. That was fun that year we did that. That was fun. Yeah, we could maybe do that again. we got a while to think about it. Yeah. All right, here's one from Pete Adams. What are your thoughts on the new Extreme Single Rise? The video already has over 2 million views on YouTube. That's pretty cool. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. That that a band like Extreme in 2023 can come out with a single, and it's on YouTube, over 2 million views. I like that. And I like the song. And I'm not afraid to tell you I like the band Extreme. Another one of those bands, maybe not like all their stuff, but there's definitely stuff that they have that I like a lot. Yeah, it, it, it's a heavier song for them, but uh, I posted about it the other day, and, it, and, it, and what I said I think is the reason why the video has 2 million views is because the solo is fucking godly on it. I, Nuno just rips on that solo. It's incredible. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Pretty cool, man. I'm glad they're back. I'm glad they're popular, and it says something good about the music genre in general. You know, if extreme is putting out a video that's got over 2 million views, then that's pretty good for rock and roll in general, I think. Right. And I, yeah, I'm excited to hear the rest of that record. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Hey, before we get to the next question, I just want to remind you that as we record this is the four-year anniversary of you and I getting to go see Kiss play their last show ever in Nashville. Oh, it was four years ago today, huh? Today's the day, yep. 
Never again will they ever play Nashville as they promised that night. Oh, no. Yeah. Just pay no attention on October 20, whatever it is. Yeah. That's funny. Tickets on sale right now. <laughs> October 23rd. Kiss. End of the road. Paul Stanley guaranteed to sound exactly the same. Yeah. Everything will. The whole band. Yeah. All the yep. songs. If you ha- if you had a good time last time we were here, come back. The arena's the same. <laughs> the band's the same. The songs are the same. The stage is the same. Everything's the same. You're going to have a great time again. Yeah. Uh, I'll be passing on that one. Man, the end of the road has a lot of U-turns on it. <laughs> Detours. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get back to the questions. Mark Starsky, our old friend, one of my favorite episodes ever, when he brought us Decibel Geek, This Is Your Life. Man, wish that guy wasn't so busy. I'd just hire him to be our librarian archivist. He'd be great at it. He says this, I love Motley Crue's music and history in the rock world. However, their actions over the past week are quite disheartening. Mick Mars was the quiet heart and soul of that band. His guitar riffs are what defined many of their classic songs. And now, after spending 41 years in that band, for Nikki Six to say what he's saying about Mick is appalling. Nikki and Mick are the only two members to play on every Motley Crue album. I don't remember them bashing Tommy this way when he left. I know there was some mudslinging when Vince left, but not to this degree. Remember about 10 years ago, Nikki got a tattoo of Mick's likeness on his leg, and I figured those two were the main brotherhood within the band. And now this. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. And my apologies for missing this comment. I don't know how I missed this. But, it was um, it was a recent edition. Oh, okay. It must have been like today. Yeah. Um. Wow. Well, I'm I'm as uh, I'm not shocked by what's going on with Motley Crue, but uh, it's but the what really did piss me off was the whole we propped him up for a long time comment that Nikki made. I think yesterday. Uh, yeah. That really pissed me off, and. and yeah, you propped him up, and you're not even playing your fucking bass. And how hard is it to play Motley Crue songs on a bass? Right? And then when you talk about propped him up, you know, it's not like it's because he's all jacked up on heroin. It's because he's got back problems. Yeah. You know, so if you're making any kind of concession from to have Mick Mars as the guitarist in your band, it's because of that. Unlike times in Motley Crue history when guys like Nikki Six had to be propped up because of the choices that they had made. Mick Mars didn't choose to have a fucked up back. It's just what it is. But, you know, everybody props up everybody. That's what a band is supposed to be about. I think um I think what bo- one thing that bothers me is <clears throat> and like cuz I I don't I don't so much have a problem with them not wanting Mick in the band because of Mick's condition. I mean, Mick doesn't want to be in the band because of his condition as far as playing live goes, like on tours. Yeah. But it sounds like I read through the legal paperwork. The whole thing got leaked. And essentially what happened was he said, I can't tour anymore. And he made it clear to them he's not going to tour anymore, but he still wanted to be involved as far as being a partner in the band and recording music. And if they do a residency, he could do that. You just go down an elevator in a hotel Right, and instead of them being cool with that, they've basically tried to go out and swipe everything out from underneath them, which is a real shitty thing to do. So lame. Yeah, it sucks. And from everything I see of anybody talking about it, 
I don't really see anybody coming up and saying, hey, Nikki Six is right. Like most everybody that knows anything about this, there's a whole lot of members of Team Mick. Yeah, and I, I kind of, I kind of feel bad for John Five because he, you know, he certainly didn't want to get put in this position because right. now he looks bad. But right, um, but I mean, you got to know John Five ain't got nothing to do with any of this. No, it's he's, he's a hired gun, and yeah. he they they probably told him everything was nice and copacetic before all this blew up. I'm sure he's probably coming back now, going, "What the hell?" You know, this yeah. ain't the way it was supposed to be. I'm used to working with stable people like Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Oh, man. Too funny. All right. Here's a question from Angela Mashburn. I went to high school with Angela. Yeah? Well, she's officially one of our three percenters now. Right. Uh, Opinions and viewpoints regarding any local non-cash venues that insist on and provide their own prepaid debit cards, especially views and opinions, opinions from local bands or acts that would play those venues and the effect they think that would have on merchandise sales. My absolute opinion is, if I can't spend my money the way I want to, then I won't spend it. Yeah, so I know what this is referring to. Did you see the post I shared about Exit In the other day? Uh, No, I guess I must have missed that one. So, you know, Chris Cobb, who's a longtime friend of mine, he was running and owned Exit In for a long time, and then or I guess he was leasing it and he got essentially pushed out and this big real estate company took over the property and they are keeping exit in as a music venue, but they've been kind of questionable in how they've gone about things uh, as they get ready to open up They're They're reopening the venue like in the next week or so. Yeah. And the big, they put a post out and I kind of made fun of this post because let me read this post to you. And you tell me if this doesn't sound my big not my big issue to start this off is not that I, I don't so much have a problem with venues switching to cashless because that's just kind of the way of the future these days. Yeah. It's just I don't you know, I think cash should be accepted, but I get that some companies are like, screw it, we're just gonna make everything non cash. That's not my problem, which several people in the comment section of my post started whining about that. That's not what I was talking about. My let me read the post they made and tell me if this doesn't sound fucking confusing to you. Okay. We can't wait to welcome you back to Exit In. Here's what you need to, b- to know before you arrive at the venue. Cash will no longer be accepted at our, bo- at our bar or box office, so be sure to bring a debit or credit card to make purchases. You can also use our cash-to-card exchange at the box office to get a prepaid card for purchases. P.S. Cash tips at the bar are always appreciated. Ah. Also, for some shows, cash may be used to purchase artist merchandise, so don't bring cash. Um, but you can use cash to buy a prepaid debit card and bands. You can, you, you can bring cash for your merchandise sometimes, but don't bring cash. It's, I, I mean, what the fuck? Hmm. That's convoluted. Uh, it's incredibly convoluted. And it's like, somebody didn't really think this through before they posted the, yeah. Read it out loud. How's it sound? That doesn't sound right. Rewrite it. And I think it's. There, in the whole thing with um, ca- the cash to card, the prepaid card thing, yeah. that is a bit of a work because there's venues that do that. And what they do is, you know, if you say, well, I want to put $30 on this card, well, congratulations to the venue because you just now got their $30. Because if they don't spend all of it, it's worthless to them. Right. Yeah. 
Unless so, you and then plan the, on, um, well, I guess I'll save this card with $3.23 on it till the next time I come back. Right. Which guarantees you go back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then uh, cash may be used to purchase artist merchandise for some shows, which that makes me think that they're going to, they're going to be, which, you know, that it is common now, but I still don't agree with it. Venues taking a percentage of the band merch, which they should never do. Right. So if that's totally off the card and they can use cash for that, then hopefully that keeps it separate. I would hope so, but I don't know. It's just, I've never gotten that logic. I mean, I, I get that it makes more money to the venue, but it's like the venue's not giving the band any percentage of all the drinks they sell because the band's there. Right. No. So why do you get really, to dip into their merch? I think with the card thing, it basically comes down to it's probably just easier to account for everything when you're not dealing with cash and less chance of your employees stealing from you if you're not using cash. No, I get that. It's just the post was incredibly horribly written yeah <laughs> that's weird i don't know i think the bands should make as much money as possible because they are the entertainment and they're bringing people to your establishment to enjoy your services while enjoying their favorite bands you know treat the bands a little better right all right wow this is something here this comes to us from scott Gould. He says, I'd like an episode of our favorite 80s bands still releasing new material in the last 10 years. Is it good or bad? In the last 10 years, boy, this is a mighty list right here. Striper, I say good. Metallica, I know you're going to, I know you agree with Striper. Yeah. Metallica, I mean, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Autograph, I guess I I don't keep up with it like I should. Nah. Maybe I should. I don't know. Um, Extreme, excited about the new Extreme album. Like the single. We just talked about that. Hurricane Alice. Is Hurricane Alice still putting out music? I hadn't. I don't know. I haven't heard about them in years. I haven't either. But you know what? There's a lot of bands that probably fall under that category. Right. Uh, Metal Church. I know they're, well, I mean, they lost their singer. They got a new guy, though. Yeah, and I know he's sounding good, I think. I don't yeah. remember, yeah. Do they got anything new out with the new guy? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think what I listened to was something from a past band he did. Yeah, but, yeah. okay. But they're working on stuff. All right. I mean, that's cool. That Metal Church carries on. Mm -hmm. uh, Megadeth, yeah. I mean, their yeah. last album was killer. Awesome stuff. Uh, talking about bands with new music coming out that you didn't expect in 2023, Winger. I like the new video's good. Yeah, I like that new video, too. I thought it was a pretty good song, man. Pretty cool. Not bad. Uh, Quiet Riot. No original members in Quiet Riot no more, but I think they're amazing. I think the lineup they got now is kick-ass. I think they take those classic Quiet Riot songs to a new level with what they got going on now. And I'm super excited to hear them come out with some new music. I thought they were supposed to last year. But we got a Jizzy Pearl album instead, which was awesome. But right. hopefully maybe this year we get some new Quiet Riot songs from this band. Uh, let's see. Tesla. I don't know if I put Tesla on that list. I mean, we know and love classic Tesla. But, I mean, and they have put out good stuff in their post-super popular eras. 
but I don't know, man. That last album, and it's been a while. It's been a few years since they put out a new album. Yeah, but that last, well, they, they, I think they have a new one coming out soon. Or yeah, they put out a new single. I don't know if they're going to do another full record. Okay, though. all right. Hopefully, it's not like Shock. Well, the new single was pretty good. It was called like Cold Blue Steel or something like that. Okay, I must have missed that. I'm going to have to check that out. I love Tesla. It sounds a little bit more like their old stuff. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, wasn't a fan of that last album. Um, I saw there's going to be an announcement about the future of Troy Loketta coming soon, too. Oh, I think they've already confirmed he's out of the band. Yeah, okay. Well, that was kind of expected. That wasn't. I saw that, and I like didn't think it was like a big shocking news break thing. No, we kind of knew about that a while ago. <laughs> they eased us into that one. Yeah. It's not like dropping it all on you at once and being like, drummer's out, here's the new drummer. They eased us off of Troy Lucchetta, and we appreciate them for that. He didn't get the Mark St. John treatment. Right, exactly. Troy Lucchetta's hands are swelled up. We got to let him go for his own good. Bullshit. And then they get another uh, another famous musician's brother in the band, similar to how Kiss did with Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Because you got Mick Brown's brother playing drums for him. Now. That's right. That's right. Uh, here's one that I can't feel can go on that list of bands from the 80s that are doing some really awesome stuff nowadays, and that is Dokken. Nope. Can't put Dokken on that list nowadays at all. No. I mean, yeah, look it up. You know what we mean. Tom Kiefer, on the other hand, it's been a minute since he put out a new album. Yeah. I, can... I didn't like the last one very much, but I, I like the one before that. Yeah. Yeah, that first one was really good. But I think that was all the stuff that he had saved up over the years, all the best of the best. Right. Eh, give it another shot. Bring it back. A little more hard rock and Cinderella style. I'd be interested in that. Uh, Queensryche? I, I'm going to actually go ahead and say, you know, everybody knows where I stand on Queedsreich. Not very well. And I, from, the last, from the last few things that I've heard by them, including what you picked on your top ten last year, mm-hmm. I guess I like Queedsreich now better than ever. They're in Nashville Friday. For real? Yep. Brooklyn Bowl. Oh, wow. And uh, Marty Friedman's opening. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Man. Queensryche, you got to get better promoters. <laughs> uh, Lillian X. I, Steve Blaze was a pleasure to work with and meet a couple weeks ago, but, man, I, I tried listening to that new record, and uh, it just it did not work for me. No, I haven't had a chance to check that one out either. Same Good playing. It's just odd sounding. Yeah. Same with Helix. I haven't heard anything about them in years. Or Rough Cut. I haven't <laughs> caught up with nothing from Rough Cut. I didn't know they were still putting out new stuff. Right. I mean, I guess maybe I knew, but I was never, I don't know. These are all bands I really need to give a try to. Billy Billy Hardaway is very disappointed in you. I know. He loves Rough Cut. (laughs) That's all right. He'd have to come out of seclusion to tell me anything about it, so I ain't too worried. No shit. What happened to him? I don't know. He's a, he got a, I don't know. He's got it good wherever he is, and he doesn't want to come out. I guess so. All right. Bullet Boys. Yeah, <laughs> not everybody mm-hmm. at once, huh? <laughs> Their last record was terrible. Oh. Yeah, it was not great. The one before that, that Elefante, I thought was really good. I like that one a lot. But, but then yeah. this last one, I don't know, one or two good songs on it, maybe? I don't think I liked any songs on yeah, that one. Yeah, it was a tough one. 
uh, Wasp. I like some of the more modern day stuff. I'd like to hear him do another record. Yeah, it's been a while. it has been a while since Golgotha. That's what I was just thinking of. It has been a long time. I would like to hear some new stuff from Wasp because Golgotha was a pretty damn good album. I liked it a lot. Me too. Uh, same goes with Accept. Accept is killing it nowadays. You know, I'm a huge fan of the early age stuff with Udo. Love it. But I'm also a big fan of what they're doing now. And I almost see them as two different bands, like two different but similar bands. Similar to Striper. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Wasn't into them when I was young either. Love them now. Yeah, I mean, I, re- I just knew Balls to the Wall, which I'm sure most people did. I still, I still want them to redo. Uh, I want to, I still want to hear them do uh, "Eat the Heat" material on uh, on stage. But I'm like the one person who wants it. Yeah, every time you ask, they just laugh about they it. They laugh at me. Yeah, they're like they're not gonna do that. At least do Generation Clash. That's a decent song. Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some good songs on that album. It's just not. Man, that's some weird accept. <laughs> it's hair metal accept. Yeah. Uh, also on his list, Doro. I always love me some Doro. Uh, when's, the, when's the last time she did a record? I have no idea. That would be like 10 years, Not right? a clue. I don't, I don't have a lot of Doro. I like recently got some old Warlock, and I really like that a lot. Yeah, I like some of that stuff. But I've got some of her solo stuff, too. And... There's some really cool stuff in her solo, but I'm just kind of discovering it. I'm not really keeping up with it current like I should. Uh, Udio, Udo, his thing. I don't know. Yeah. We talked about that last on the last GeekWire. That last, I don't know. He's got that band's got some good stuff, and it sounds a lot like classic. Except, yeah, he just needs to stop doing cover albums. Yeah, that thing wasn't so great. But I recommend anything else that band has done because their original stuff is, if you're a fan of Accept, there's no reason not to like UDO because, I mean, it's Udo and they're playing Accept-style rock. So, I mean... I'd see him live. When he says those things like, you know, Udo is more, you know, Accept than Accept, I mean, he is a pretty signature-sounding voice. Like, nobody sounds like Udo. Well, Accept got... Very lucky getting Mark Tornillo. Yeah. It, he's like the one guy that can fill those shoes with that type of voice. Yeah, because he can lend great to the new stuff and sounds great doing the classic stuff, too. Yeah, that could have, that that whole replacement decision could have turned south with anyone else. Yeah. Uh, here's another one that's still killing it just like they always have Judas Priest. God, I can't wait for that new record. I wish I'd hurry up and release the damn thing. I know. Firepower was so good. You know, I, I'll never forget that year when that came out. And it was like, well, this is pretty easily album of the year. And then yep. at the end, that was the year that it came down. And both of our number picks were number one picks were in agreement that it was Judas Priest firepower all day. And there was no disputing it. I still listen to it a lot. Yeah, me too. I love it. And also, um, <clears throat> if you haven't heard it, Richie's got a side project called Elegant Weapons. It's got some good stuff, too. Yeah, definitely worth checking that out. We've talked about them before. Um, let's see. Anthrax. It's been a minute, but I love new Anthrax. We went and seen them live last year. Yeah, they're supposed to... I think Charlie said they're finishing up the new record in the next few weeks. See, I don't know. I've heard different things about that because I've heard, like, last year they were saying we were definitely going to get one this year. 
And then I read that it was finished. Then I read that it wasn't finished. Then I read they were going into the studio and that we should expect it by 2024. It'll be out in the spring, Curly. Exactly. So hold out for that new Anthrax. I'm sure it's going to be good. Uh, Here's one. The last album by Halloween was amazing. That was on my top albums of 2022. Yeah. And, you know, Halloween, another band, you know, never really knew that much about them when I was younger. Loving the stuff they're doing now. A lot of great players in that band. Oh, for sure. And they've got all the powers united for this last album they came out with. I'll be looking forward to new stuff from them, too. Yeah. Uh, Here's a good one. Ace Fraley, the Spaceman. (laughs) I love it. I love everything he comes out with, whether it's the Origin albums or whatever. You know, There's hits and misses on those Origins albums, but pretty much any new solo album he comes out with, I'm probably going to like it. I'm guessing. Do you think, though, that he's doing better stuff now than what he used to do? <sighs> That's tough to say because there's some stuff he's coming out with now, or we'll say in the last 10 years, that can stand up to a lot of the stuff that he came out with earlier in his career, um, I guess as a solo artist. Better now? Hmm. I think, I think maybe because I think Space Invader is his best solo album outside of his '78. I agree with that because I did the last one was it was just called Spaceman, right? Yeah, um, that one not so much. I love Mission to Mars is a great song. I tell you one thing we should do for Torpedo Dudes is do focus on obviously don't include the '78 solo album, but come up with a playlist for an album that encompasses all of his Fraley's Comet through now stuff. Uh, What would be the best album of all that material? Like a greatest hits. Yeah. Hmm. That could be fun to put together. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, we should definitely do that. But yeah, I think he's the stuff he does now stands up to what he's always done. Some people we know that are in the know have heard some of the material on the new one he's about to put out. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're saying it's awesome. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. It's always awesome. <laughs> it's always awesome. All right. And his final one listed, Lita Ford. It's been a minute since Lita's put out anything new. I never have been a giant fan of her stuff. See, and I was just listening to the Lita album the other day because I've been listening to some of the older stuff. And I was like, yep, that's the album that broke her. And I had that when I was a kid. Yeah, I did too. I like that one. And, you know, the earlier stuff is a little heavier. And I like that stuff better. But, man, there's some really great songs on that Lita album. Yeah, I don't mind that one. But some of the the stuff later, like when she was married to Jim Gillette, some of that was Yeah, like (laughs) Wicked Wonderland or something Wicked Wonderland? Yeah, not not great at all. Now, if Lita Ford can come out with something new that goes back to her roots, kind of go back and listen to some of that earlier stuff and try to write in that mindset, like, I want to create an album that pays homage to Lita and back. Yeah. So, you know, he, Scott came at us with this as an idea for an episode. One thing, I don't know if it would be great for a podcast episode. One thing we could do, though, we could do, we could maybe do a tournament with a lot of these bands and base it off just the stuff they've released in like the last 10 years. Wow. And then do a tournament and see what band we think 
wins for best material over the last 10 years. Hmm. That might be a good one for a good old FFA, FFT. <laughs> All right. Here's a good question from Earl Inf. Something that may have been discussed or played on your new music shows before, but my memory is bad. Thoughts on some of these newer 2000 era hard rock metal bands like Haunt, High Spirits, Havoc, Municipal Waste, Power Trip, Hardcore Superstar, Baboon Show, White Reaper, Night Demon, Cauldron. He says a lot of them are creating great 80s-ish hard rock metal thrash music. Do you listen to any of them? I listen to some of them. Um, I know a few of those. Haunt, I, I like a lot. Um, and they've got a song out this year called Chimera that's uh, that's really good. It's one of my favorites I've heard this year. White Reaper, I was actually bragging about them on Facebook earlier today. I saw uh, that. Their new, uh, their new record's really great. Nice. Hardcore Superstar we've praised for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, um, I like Havoc. I think they're pretty awesome. And yeah. I like Municipal Waste as well. I seen them open for Guar years ago, and they were pretty kick-ass. I, I I have to check out Baboon Show because the name is really yeah. intriguing. No, I really want to check out Baboon Show. <laughs> like, and, what and, is this going to be? And Night Demon's really awesome. I've yeah. listened to several of their songs. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. And makes me happy to know that, you know, I, I say it all the time. When the legends are gone, what do we got? Got bands like that. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Here's one from Andrew Tonkin. And he wants to know... Would Kiss ever have made it without all the gimmicks? Would the songs alone have been enough? Or did they really need the added spectacle of the makeup, fire, etc. in order to be noticed? Um, I think they could have eked out a living as like a touring band that put out records, but I don't know we're near as big as they got. I think the spectacle was all part of yeah. the package, and I think that's what... Because, I mean, if you were going to put Kiss's music just toe-to-toe up with Aerosmith, who was just stripped down rock and roll, I don't I don't think they would have gotten as big as Aerosmith did. Because Kiss never really had a lot of radio hits, and you would have right. to have that if you didn't have that show. But on the other hand of that, you know, is the gimmick the reason why they never got played on radio? Is it the reason... Mm. Like the people in those positions in the magazines, the Rolling Stone magazines, the big shot guys putting together the the playlist for the radio stations didn't like Kiss because of the way they looked. If they didn't look like that, would they have gotten more airplay perhaps? That is a good point because there are certain songs of theirs that I think could have been hits with. Like if the Rolling Stones did Got to Choose because it sounds like a Stone song to me, I think could have been a huge hit. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you could kind of look at it either way. Yeah, pretty interesting. I mean, would they have just been another fog hat, or would they have been even bigger than? I mean, I mean, if you think about it, though, if you're going to be the number one band of the '70s, it's you got to be Kiss. You know, no no normal band was going to be that. Right. You had to have the spectacle. Kind of ties in with that. Another question on the flip side: Would Striper have been a far bigger band if they didn't do the Jesus thing? Do you think they would have been far more successful if they hadn't kept it secular? Um, I think it's possible. Uh, 
musically they were every bit as good or even better than a lot of their peers Uh, especially if you listen to the music on those early records there it's great metal music i think the the christianity thing probably didn't help them but from their perspective that was kind of their mission so to go that route so honestly for their own personal beliefs i guess you have to respect the that they went that route but they might have been bigger without it i don't know i think that them being a christian rock band really kind of separated them because you think about how many bands were out there at that time you know trying to make it for every quiet riot that's actually hitting the charts there's so many other bands that aren't for every motley crew there's so many bands that'll never get there Striper's thing made them different. That got them coverage, you know. Here's an interesting angle. These guys are a hard rock band. They're all glammed up like, you know, you would expect to see an L.A. band from the 80s look like. But they've got a unique angle, you know. And so that, I think, got them more attention than just being another band lost in the crowd. We just had the inverse argument of what we just had with Kiss. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Cue the Twilight Zone music. Uh-huh. All right. Here's a question from Derek Viasti. Vlasity? I, I can't. I have no idea how you pronounce Derek that. Derek Vlasity will say, what's the funniest thing you've ever seen at a concert? Well, I can humiliate myself with a story because I became the funniest thing a lot of people around me saw at a concert. Do you want me to share that story? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have talked. I may have told this to you in the past, but this is just one of those just my luck type moments. So there was a show called River Stages that they used to do downtown, and it was right there on Riverfront in like the parking area. And it was just a giant stage right there by the river and about 10,000 people, I'm guessing. And it was a festival show. And the year that I went, it was like, the Marley brothers were there. I think Gary might've even been playing with the Marley brothers at the time. Probably was. Um, This wasn't the funny thing, but like during the show, it started raining during their set. And then when the rain stopped, the, uh, you know, the sun came out and a rainbow was like going over downtown and like all of us in unison lit up joints. It was funny as hell. But, uh, but no, we were watching. I want to say it was the, it was either God lives underwater, a band that had one hit, uh, locally, and the, or it was either them or the Foo Fighters. I can't remember which band was on the stage, but Foo Fighters were on like their second tour or something at that time. And my friend Wes and I are standing halfway in the middle of the crowd. I mean, we're like, you know, 5,000 people back. And I'm watching the show. And bear in mind, I'm stoned, so I'm not really thinking clearly. And I see a shoe go flying from like near the front row towards us. Uh-huh. And it's like, this shoe is like hundreds of feet up in the air and it's flying. And I'm just sort of spaced out looking up in the air going, Oh wow. Look at that shoe. Look at that shoe. Look at that shoe. (laughs) Bam. Hits me right in the fucking forehead. Everybody started laughing. (laughs) Everyone fucking started laughing. Oh man. That's awesome. (laughs) West didn't let me forget that for like two years. Look at that shoe. <laughs> it was funny, though. I'll, I'll admit. Even I laughed. It hurt, but I laughed. Oh, man. That's funny. <laughs> huh. I don't know if I got anything that can top that. Well, 
Public humiliation's hard to top. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty good. I don't know what the funniest thing I've ever seen in a concert is. Um, well, I mean, you've told the story about the crowd pelting Marilyn Manson with mud. Yeah, yeah. Or there was a time we seen Vince Neil. It was, uh, I forget who was all there. I know it was Slaughter, and Vince Neil was the headliner. Yeah. And the way the stage was, it was outdoors, and it was kind of down the hill from an overpass like to get onto the interstate and so vince neal's playing and it's good ways through his set getting towards the end and nobody notices it because they're all looking up at the stage all of a sudden vince neal stops and he goes hey everybody what's going on up there and he points up to the top of the hill and so everybody's like what you know and that's weird and turn around and look and there's a cop got somebody pulled over up there and vince neal goes well would you fucking look at that Looks like the pigs got somebody pulled over up there. And the crowd all, you know. <laughs> and he goes, hey, hey, I got an idea. Hey, everybody, how about a big fuck you for the pig up on the hill there? And so the whole crowd, they're into it. You know, Vince Neal's ringleading this whole thing. The whole crowd turns around and goes, fuck you. And Vince Neal laughs and goes, hey, how about one more big fuck you for the pig up on the hill up there? <laughs> and the whole crowd goes, Fuck you. Never thought nothing of it. But leaving the venue that night, there's had to have been 50 cop cars. (laughs) Like pulling everybody over. Oh, they showed you guys. At the time, they thought it was funny. I guess Vince Neal didn't think about what was going to happen to everybody after that all happened. No, he just gets to ride off in his bus. Yeah. I mean, we we <laughs> snuck through and somehow didn't get pulled over, but there was people pulled over everywhere. <laughs> I went to a Vince Neil concert and all I got was a damn DUI. Yeah. Mm. That sucks. That was in retrospect, I guess it's kind of funny, but you know, it's it's only funny once you get past the roadblock. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty nerve wracking until then. Uh let's see. Derek also wants to know what bands do you love, but they disappoint live? Motley Crue. Kiss. Yeah, well, Kiss lately. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever been to anything that I was really disappointed in. Motley Crue I've seen several times, and they were never good any of those times. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of any. Oh, another one would be, um, not that I was really a fan of this band, but... I was seeing a, it was a Metallica tour in the nineties and Allison Chains was supposed to open, but then Lane Staley wound up in rehab. So they dropped off the tour and Candlebox was the replacement. And everyone had kept telling me that had seen Candlebox, how great live they are. And they sucked. They were terrible. Huh? I don't know. All right. Moving on. Here's one from Mark Alden Taylor. He wants to know, what do you really think of me? What do you really think of Mark Alden Taylor? I love Mark Alden Taylor. He's a passionate guy. He snorts whiskey. And, uh, <laughs> oh, aside, shit. We never, from, we never got to see him do that at Rock and Pod. No, nah, he didn't do it there, apparently. Or if he did, we missed it. But, oh, uh, no. But, but I now I like Mark. I, Mark gets picked on a lot. But what I love about Mark is he rolls with all the jokes. Yeah. And, Actually, he wound up in the hospital about a few days ago, so there's a GoFundMe, uh, and I encourage you to look it up and uh, 
donate to it because he's having a rough time with his health right now. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even, I knew that. I didn't know there was a GoFundMe. I'm glad for that. Yeah. yeah. Look that up. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love a Mark. I love Mark Alden Taylor. I mean, he had me on his show with him and Lee and that was a trip and it, but it was a fun time and I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I really didn't know what to think going into it. Like, how is this going to go? What's this going to be like? <laughs> And like I said, you just kind of roll with it and ended up having a blast with those guys. And, you know, got to hang out with them a little bit at Rockin' Pod. And, yeah, I'm a fan of Mark Alden Taylor. I like the guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. And he wants to know, what is your favorite band of all time? Well, it used to be Kiss. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not really anymore. I, I have to put Alice Cooper in the lead now. I always give... Uh, I always go with Ace Fraley. I want all his Kiss stuff and all his solo stuff. All right. They leave the rest if I have to. If I have Thin to. Lizzy is a close second now. I could live with Thin Lizzy if if that was what it was. Like, hey, you got You can't listen to music anymore except for Thin Lizzy. I'd be like, eh, all right, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Kiss has gone from first to basically third, and they're yeah. barely hanging on there right now. I mean. With Kiss, you got to break it up into eras, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you really I have to just you really view do. them nostalgically. I can't yeah. think of them as a working band now, for sure. All right, here's one from our good friend Grayson Gallegos. He wants to know: People often pair wine with certain foods. What brands of beer would you pair with bands? So I put thought into this. Oh, I guess it's, sorry. What brand of beer would you pair with a band or artist? So I thought this out, and I, I went with my top five artists, which includes Kiss that I just mentioned. So here's mine. So Kiss would be Budweiser at an NFL game because it's old, watered down, and overpriced. <laughs> some thought in this i love it that's great i have um that's the only one that's going to be an insult um alice cooper (laughs) i would compare to yingling because it's it's an older beer but it's respected and dependable okay all right i can dig the ramones they're pbr not fancy but consistent reasonably priced and enjoyed by either the dregs of society as well as the high-priced hipsters yeah yeah that's wow that's great i love it Thin Lizzy, Guinness. I don't have to say more. Yeah, than that. yeah. Judas Priest. I picked Heineken because it's been around for a long time, but it's classic and it will knock you on your ass if you have too much of it. Nice man, perfect, perfect. That is the genius of my co-host right there, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Very cool. There ain't no top in that. No way. So go to help. the end of the road tour. This buds for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And finally, he wants to know, what exactly is a holy diver? I actually learned the answer to this recently. Really? What is it? Yeah. Because well, I don't know. I was know. watching an old, um, the, they, the banger TV, the, the guy that would do like metal ahead bangers journey. I can't remember his name. His name's Sam, I think. Yeah. Um, did like all those interviews for, uh, for those documentaries. Well, he, that channel, <clears throat> they listed, they actually released some of the, you know, unreleased footage. And one of them was in uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff with Ronnie James Dio, and and that question comes up at one point, and a sin, it still didn't make a lot of sense to me. But essentially, it's like a holy diver 
is basically like a deity or a savior. And it's like, you know, he would compare it to like Jesus is on earth here. Jesus saves everyone on earth. But then at, at one point, Jesus realizes, I've already done what I have to do here. So then he dives into another dimension and helps another race of, of people or, or beings. And then the song Holy Diver is basically about like people on earth saying, oh, you're, you know, Holy Diver, why did you leave us? Why did you forsake us? So it's about like a deity that saves civilizations, but he travels from dimension to dimension. Wow. Yep. Such is the genius of Ronnie James Dio. I always wondered what the hell it was, too. But yeah, I was like, oh, wow, he finally answered it. That's cool, man. That's awesome. All right, here's one from Brent Tibbetts. What is the strangest request from a publicist, artist, or guest that you have ever had prior to an interview or event, excluding Vinnie Vincent? I tried thinking of something on this and really other than, I mean, once in a while a guest would want, or a publicist would say, we want to pre-screen the questions. Um, that was, I mean, every now and then that gets brought up and usually I can talk our way out of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all you got to do is say, well, we can take stuff out if they don't like what they say, but I can't, I don't know. Can you think of anything really strange that was requested of us? Hmm. Not really. Uh, uh-uh. uh, well, nobody asked us for like, you know, mashed potatoes served in a football helmet or anything weird like that. No, I guess the weirdest thing probably would have been like just trying to figure out where to interview Mark Slaughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to find a place that would stay open long enough. Yeah. Or um, one of the more awkward times for, uh, for probably more for me than you because it was your house, but was Anthony Corder coming over to do Albums Unleashed and us telling him, you got to take your shoes off, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that felt a little strange. I was telling somebody at Rock and Pod about how you used to tell people my wife was Japanese. <laughs> she just liked clean carpet. Yeah. Well, it was. we bought a house with light-colored carpet, and she didn't want me and my rock and roll friends leaving trails everywhere we went, so... We all had to take off our shoes because the room we recorded in was upstairs. Right. That was before the original studio building got built. Pre-Adobe Hut. Yeah. Wish I could have brought that thing with me everywhere I went. All right. Here's one from our old friend Ray Kuhn of Dawn of the Rising. He wants to know, will K.K. Downing ever tour at least one more time with Judas Priest? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Because after the Hall of Fame thing, which could yeah. have been a really good thing, didn't really seem like after it was all said and done, like it was all warm and fuzzy, like you hoped it would be. No, that if there was going to be a catalyst, that would have been it. And I, th- I think the the opportunity's gone now. Yeah, I think so too. All right, here's from John Verno. Is KISS overrated, underrated, or just rated accordingly? Um, I think this comes again where it really breaks into eras of the band. I, I would say, according to them, they're overrated as far as how they what they think of themselves. Uh, um, to society at large, I'd say they're probably accurately rated. Hmm. 
I think in the 70s, they were rated accordingly. I think during the 80s, they were underrated. Yeah. And I think now, I don't know. I don't know if they're overrated. I guess it depends on who you ask. If somebody says this is the greatest kiss has ever been, they're highly overrated. (laughs) I view them like the like the Harlem Globetrotters at this point. Yeah, yeah, I could see the analogy there for sure. Yeah, just kind of a caricature. Well, just go there, get entertained by some old guys. I mean, it's there's the magic is not there anymore. No. You know, when I was thinking about that though. I still did have a pretty good time the last time we saw Kiss four years ago. I had fun hanging out with you guys. Yeah, and I still had, I had fun hanging out with you guys, too. You and Buddy Baker. got us. Buddy got us in those seats. Yeah. And we got the pictures. I got pictures I was looking at today from the side of the stage. Such a unique angle to see the band. Yeah. And I think that's what was special about it was because I've never seen Kiss from that angle before. Yeah, it was kind of cool to be that close. But as um, far as like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe they're playing this song, there was none of that. No, but I mean, I tell people if, because I know I have friends that they're taking their kids to see this tour and they're like, well, I'm going to take my kid. They've never, I'm like, I always tell them, if, if you've never seen them, go see them once. Yeah. Because you know, it, it's still a cool show to watch. Sure. Especially if you're a little kid that don't know no better. Right. Yeah. It's got nothing to pro- compare it to. Yeah. The production's cool. Yeah. All right, Jason Tucker from Metalheads Unite. He was at Rock and Pod. He wants to know, in your opinion, what was the best Kiss lineup? Oh boy, I might get in a little trouble for this. I wish there could have been more with Ace and Eric in the band. Eric Carr, that is, to be specific. I wish I could have seen them play together live. Like I wish cool. that Ace Fraley would have played on Creatures of the Night. Yeah. And lick it up. Um, I kind of viewed it. I viewed this question a little differently. So not that, not that I think it's the best lineup of all of them, but the one, you know, I saw kiss in different permutations. That's a big word like gymnasium. And, um, the one, the lineup that I had the most fun going to see was the revenge era lineup. I love that lineup of the band. Yeah, you'd have to put them right up there. Pretty damn solid back in those days. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with the classic either. No, I believe me, I loved seeing the originals play. That was magical, too. But it was just probably my age, too, because I was like 14, 15 when I saw the Revenge lineup. So it's like your prime concert-going years when you're a teen. Right, yeah. That was super energetic getting and they were real underdogs at that time too right so it was kind of like and you didn't see, have like the internet where you could watch all the shows all nope. the live footage of them like when you were there going to see it as most of our audience knows and remembers before iphones and the internet you were seeing it for the first time in most cases so it was sure. sensory overload in there it's an experience that you know people will never have again well and also the the knock on kiss for years, especially to, uh, you know, towards just from the general public towards people where they dress like clowns, they don't know how to play their instruments. So when I would see them with the revenge lineup and I'd be around all these people that hadn't seen them before, I'd just be like, you fuckers watch this. They're going to kick your ass. And they would every time. That's true. That is true. All right. Here's one. Here's one from Scott Pikulski. 
He wants to know, should Ace, Mick, and KK form a super group? Three guitar players? Yeah. Mm, no. The, the group <laughs> of disgruntled lead players. Uh, I don't think I would want to see that. What if it was like one of those G3 tours, but it was Ace, Mick, and KK? Like performing their own sets? Yeah. Yeah, I would see that. I would definitely go see that. It's just the whole super group thing. It's 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 hard to pull it off and make something special with that. Yeah, especially with three loud guitar personalities such as Ace Fraley, Mick Mars, and KK Downing. How could the three guitars be all part of one song without ruining it with too much awesomeness? That's three alphas playing. Together. Yeah, it'd be insane. It would probably pop your brain if you heard it. Here's one from Lauren Carter. Wants to know, what album considered a classic icon hasn't stood the test of time, in your opinion? This is a tough one. Do you have one off right off the top of your head? Just off the top of my head, I kind of go back to the second, and I don't know what, what your you know classic icon album if this counts or not, but um, the second Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Oh, All Systems Go. When I was young and that album was new, I loved it. Loved it. Now I listen back to it and I have a hard time getting into it. Yeah. And it's not because, you know, because of Vinnie Vincent, because I don't care. I'd, ra- I'd rather enjoy the music. I still, I still kind of enjoy the first Vinnie Vincent Invasion album. A lot more than the second one. Me too. The second one's tough to listen to. It doesn't hold up to me. As far as like iconic albums, I can't really think of any. I mean, they're iconic for a reason. Well, I mean, there's plenty of albums that I loved as a kid that I don't love so much now because they've aged badly. But if I have to pick one that's kind of iconic, and, and it's just because within the confines of its own discography, I hardly ever go back and listen to ACDC Back, back in Black. Ever. It's there's so many better albums in their catalog. Man, that's a tough thing to say because the albums don't get much more complete than that. So no, it's, a, it's a great album. I just rarely ever reach for it anymore. Yeah, I guess because most of the songs you've heard so many times. But the deep cut songs on there are unbelievable. I I think there's ACDC albums that have better songs on it. But as far as like a complete album with nothing weak on it, Back in Black stands with all of them, you know? It's mm. just that you don't want to listen to I Shook You All Night Long again. You don't want to hear Back in Black or Hell's Bells again. Yeah, I just, I if I'm going to listen to ACDC, it's almost always going to be Bon Scott era stuff. I mix it up. I listen to yeah. a little bit of it all, including the most recent. I was just listening to that not too long ago, and I was like, man... I haven't gone back to this one in a minute, but there's this a damn good album. I, I do like that one. Uh, now, I'd, one thing I'd like to hear is that's a good question for people to put in the comment section of this: is what do you think is an iconic album that hasn't held up over over time? Yeah, I'd like to see what other people think because there's a lot of albums out there that people love that are considered iconic, possibly don't stand the test of time. I don't know. Be interesting to see. You guys put it in the comments. Let us know. We got one more question before we wrap up. Ask us anything. It's a very serious question, too. It's a very, very serious question. 
Carlos Enriquez wants to know who would win in a fight? Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, or Vinnie Vincent? <laughs> Are we talking about now or in their prime? Um, I think probably ever. Like, I don't think in their prime or today changes. Yeah, it does. Are you kidding me? I got to imagine if it's a fight, it's going to be Ace Fraley standing there in the middle and the other two guys come shuffling up beside him and then it's a lot of slappy, slappy, loose hands, slap, slap, jazz, jazz hands, slap, slap. And then Ace just goes and punches them each in the face at once. Both go down. Aaron picked Ace. What a giant surprise. Come on. You think Ace would lose in a fight to Vinnie Vincent or Paul Stanley? Vinny Vincent would mop the floor with both of them. Um, okay, he back all right. with his salad shooter. Yeah. Uh, no, I it, in their prime, I think Ace would beat up both of them. Now, today, I think Paul, just based on stamina alone, because he actually still takes care of himself, I think Paul would win today. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I just don't like even like Paul's in great shape, right? But he's punching Ace as hard as he can. But like Ace, don't even feel it. Like Paul's sweating and breathing hard, and he's just throwing. He's throwing like sixty or seventy punches, and Ace just kind of yawns. Ace couldn't penetrate that purple aura that surrounds. Oh yeah. Paul. <laughs> Paul Stanley would kill him with one of his looks. Yeah, yeah. He'd just look at him wrong, and Ace would fall over. <laughs> kind of like Darth Vader neck pinch thing. And then Vinny would get beat up, but he would sue both of them. Yeah. <laughs> what a great way to end asking. I, us anything. I was going to say, I don't think Vinny Vincent shows up for the fight. <laughs> no, yeah, he would, he would schedule and then not show up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. These are some hard hitting questions that we answered for you today. All the stuff you could ever possibly want to know. And this is what you come up with. No, I loved it. Pretty good stuff, man. We love it, too. Have a good time with it every time we do it. We thank you guys for including yourselves in it and joining us for an episode of Decibel Geek. we got some really cool stuff coming your way. Now, we only need what? What did we start out with? We had 15. Like, yeah, I think we need like 12 to go. So 12 more reviews between now and July to get your Christmas in July back. And... We would love to do that for you, but we're really just really wanting some reviews to help us get back in good standings. This is a Pantheon podcast. Oh, no. I'm canceling everything if you don't leave a review. That's right. For real. <laughs> this is a Pantheon <laughs> podcast brought to you every single week by Pantheon Podcast. If you're looking for a new favorite music podcast, why bother scouring the entire internet trying to find it? Why hit and miss with so many? You're going to list. There's so many out there. You couldn't possibly listen to them all. Most of them are not very good. There's a few that are good. There's a few that are great. The very best are on Pantheon. So check out them and find your new favorite music podcast. We thank Pantheon for bringing us to you. You thank them for bringing us to you also i guess all right yeah that's it that's all i know we've answered all the questions that we could possibly think to answer and this has been ask us anything on the decibel geek podcast and we'll see you next time see ya
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.